Good morning, Fallon. Good morning, John. How's it going? Pretty good, sir. Today, I thought it'd be interesting if we had a chat about the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh, I really like the book. Truth, truth be told, though, if I'm going to be radically candid, uh, it felt a little long. I felt like she could have she could have condensed it a little bit. I think I like books that, and this is a personal preference, books that are a little more concise and almost operate more like a self-help book if you're going to have a self-help topic um, than kind of a personal narrative or kind of a personal journey story, right? Um, which she, she did a bit of both. I mean, very much it's it's easy to follow. It's clear. Uh, it's very practical. Good application. She has a number of good personal stories in there. She uh, does. Which, which I enjoy. I enjoy the personal stories. Uh, I think there was just a, a component where it kind of started out strong and then as she went to other examples and kind of branched out and expanded, I, it seemed to separate a little bit into the main premise and then additional sub components that weren't directly, like really tightly tied to the whole radical candor concept. Do kind of recall, branched from it a bit. Is there a sub component you recall that felt distinct, like different, out of place? Uh, so now I'm going to have to find it again. It was about. Uh, it was kind of about the the tactical components of like leading meetings and directing meetings. Um, it was connected. It was there, but it just it felt more about how to run a good meeting. And radical candor was a component of that, as opposed to the radical candor and an application of how you apply it in running a meeting. Got it. Yeah, yeah that I makes think, sense. Yes. Uh, no offense at all to Kim Scott, obviously, but I think some people, particularly maybe even worse so in first time, uh, first books, feel the need to justify the existence of the book with content. And or yep. if they're starting a consulting firm uh, around said content, feel the need to have you know enough stuff that would justify you paying them tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars to come solve your own problems. So Hypothesis, it could have been caused by that a little. But yeah, I agree. I, I like the book. Um, there are a ton of, or a number, I will say, of really big key takeaways for me. I mean, number one is, sadly, I operate in ruinous empathy way more than I am comfortable with. And I need a little more asshole in me to get towards the radical candor. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to move on from that, John. <laughs> hey -o. That's, that's what we need on the soundboard. We need a hey-o, not just a... Boring! Um, so yeah, I think uh, personal development, I'm trying to move towards more towards a challenge directory, which ironically, if you actually care personally, uh, and for those who haven't read the book, those are the two axes of the radical candor sort of quadrants. You can find out more at Candor Inc. Um, Runus empathy is when the two axes are care personally and challenge directly. Uh, so if you care a lot, that's the north-south, and then challenging directly or being assertive is how I think of it is the sort of east-west. Uh, the northeast quadrant is radical candor, northwest is ruinous empathy. So you care personally a lot, but you don't challenge directly as much as you should, and that is super unhelpful to the team. Um, and she has a personal story about Bob that if you read the book, you'll see that she was in that zone. The other two regions, uh, bottom left, so don't challenge directly, don't care personally, is manipulative insincerity, and then 
challenge directly, but don't care personally is obnoxious aggression, which is the, the jerks and the a-holes of the world. Um, and in the book, she mentions, you know, radical candor is a quadrant you want to be in, but if you have to slip to another quadrant, obnoxious aggression is probably the most useful. You'll get the best business results uh, other than being radically candid by being an obnoxious aggression. So just to, just to approach the obnoxious aggression part, uh, I just realized that ruinous empathy, manipulative insincerity and obnoxious aggression along with radical candor are all trademarked, which feels maybe a step too far. Uh, but but i i love i love the graph like it makes sense i don't mean to be disparaging in any way it just i just noticed uh that the terms are actually trademarked they just seem very um kind of generic uh to be there's a better word for that trademarking radical candor given that it's the name of the book and the framework and the company is candoring or whatever i get it i think the, the minute insincerity on your stuff, blah blah. I get it, but yeah, it does seem. A little... it, was, it was it was just it was just a funny moment that I that I recognized. Um, but I think I think the way that she distilled it down from, I mean, a very complex topic, right? Like, how do you talk about empathy in a way that people connect with, they understand, they appreciate? It doesn't feel too touchy feely, quote unquote, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I when you think here personally, it's. I mean, sorry, when you think of empathy, generally people think of just that sort of care personally access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or they get them, they conflate the two in some diagonal way or something and think like the a-holes or a-holes uh, for challenging directly, regardless of whether you care personally or not. I don't know. It's uh, the inside of combining the two, I think, was the the moment of genius i guess yeah um and is not the way i think many people think and then there's also been a bunch of backlash about this book from people who misinterpreted it and would be in the obnoxious aggression quadrant uh but claim that they're being radically candid so some there's been like a little shine taken off of radical candor because of people misapplying the thing, which I, I mean, there's other books where that's happened. Uh, Eric Riesling startup and MVP has been misapplied gobs oh, of different ways. Let's not get started there, but yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. It's definitely a topic for another, uh, another podcast. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that I, that I appreciate about this book is, and something that I like in, in, many books that I like, there's kind of a a theme of absolute simplicity in the underlying like principle or nugget, right? They kind of break it down to kind of axiomatic principles that then they can build on top of, Uh, but they make it very, very simple, very practical, almost kind of uh, that's your great moment of wisdom. I mean, that's, that's the thing you have for me is, is that when they break it down so simply that it almost becomes mundane is when I think they really do it well, um, because it's it's so applicable and it's so easily understood. It's so uh, relatable uh, that makes it really really useful to to have a conversation about. Yeah, I think anytime and, there's a relatively simple framework, essentially that's the that everything hangs off of. Yeah, um, it is more powerful. One of the tangents I think she went on. Uh, 
the, to your point earlier, but one that I actually liked and glad she went on was the put on your own oxygen mask first thing. Um, with the way she talks about it is you can't possibly give a damn about other people if you don't give a damn about yourself. Um, at one point when I was having a very stressful period in my career, I realized the most important thing I could do for my team was not to hire great people. It was not to raise a lot of money. It was to actually just take a run every morning, which relates to uh, this. My buddy, Kurt Jacobus, who's the CEO of a company called MedShape Solutions, uh, talked about this inverted pyramid where you have to take care of yourself first before you can be a successful like spouse, for example, or a partner to somebody else, right? Uh -huh. And yep. you have to take care of that relationship uh, in order to be able to be a successful parent, friend, worker, whatever the other next levels are, right? Um, so if I can't take care of me and my needs, my emotional well-being, I'm going to be a terrible spouse. And if I do, if I neglect either of those two things, I'm going to be a terrible friend or coworker. Um, and to me, that's mm -hmm. that's the, the same concept. Like, put on your own oxygen mask first. I can't be caring. What is the phrase? Caring deeply, caring. Uh, care. I can't care personally, caring personally about you if I don't care personally about myself. Yeah. Um, it will all crumble and get destroyed. So I think that to me, that's hugely important, even if it was a bit of a tangent from the core um, framework. Yeah. I think for me, that's also been a kind of a core principle I learned, not just from this book, um, but in 2020 for multiple sources, something kind of really stood out to me in 2020 was for me to really show up and be uh, available in the way that I want and develop the relationships I want and the results that I want. Um, and what other people hope and expect for me to have a meaningful interaction relationship is to take care of myself first. So personal practice I have is every day, write down the, the kind of the big projects that I have to work on, whether I'm going to work on them that day or not. Um, and my top Four are always emotional recovery, physical recovery, which is like my personal development, making sure that I'm good, then being a great husband and being a great father. And then beneath that, I have everything else. But those are my top priorities kind of in that order of making sure that I'm in a good place and then making sure that me and my wife are on the right page um, and that we're we're good and then being able to show up for our children together. Yeah, Absolutely. And to me, through some of the stuff, I, again, in 2020, you and I have been working together on, I realized that all of it revolves around those relationships as well. So the reason why I want to have a career and, you know, make money and do all those things is so, so that I can have a good relationship with my wife, provide for the family, we can go on fun adventures, uh, you know, intellectually stimulating things, like ha having that freedom to do those the reason why i want money is to have the freedom to do those kinds of things that i want because i think they'll develop the relationships i have better yep so that makes sense i want to go back really quick to the uh to the diagram to the framework um i thought it was interesting i was looking at this and this axis uh or these axes of challenge directly on horizontal and care personally on the vertical axis um, i realized for myself i do not easily move in a straight vertical fashion. Um, so for example, I, I think I often fall into an obnoxious aggression category frequently. Um, depends on the situation, but, 
I think I fall into that category. I'm willing to challenge directly and have the conversation, but perhaps I'm not empathetic enough to make it uh, a productive challenge or a productive conversation. Um, Not because I don't care personally, but well, maybe it is because I don't care personally enough, but I I just, I don't consider it in the process. um, Is it whatever reason? Possibly because you hadn't been putting on your own oxygen mask first. That is entirely likely. Yes. Um, historically, I have not done a good job. Hard. Yeah. If you don't take care of your own self and your own emotional well-being, it's hard to move up and down on that scale is my, you know, I stayed in the holiday and express last night. Aren't you a psychologist thing? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think that could be, um, well, I mean, it'll prove it, out that you take care of yourself and see if it is easier for you to move up and down that, uh, that axis. I think I could already say that that's, that's accurate. I think I operate less than an obnoxious aggression category. Uh, the more I take care of myself already in in a very, very blatant and obvious way, uh, just over the last maybe six months or so. Um, but the interesting thing that I've noticed is I operate more along this challenge directly axis. I very rarely run into the ruinous empathy quadrant where I care personally, but don't challenge. Um, I think I operate or kind of devolve into a manipulative insincerity component where I need something I'm overwhelmed. I probably haven't taken care of myself. And so my care personally, you know, amount or what, you know, measure is low, uh, but I still want to get something done. So instead of challenging them directly, I will do something to elicit the response I want or the outcome that I'm looking for and kind of guide the way as I call it. Um, do something to elicit the response you want. It does sound like manipulation. Yes. But, but, but it is, it is effectively manipulation, right? Um, but the interesting that I found is, as I increase pause, take a moment, kind of write myself and say, okay, how can I care more about this person? How can I apply more you know, empathy? How can I see it from their vantage point? Or just take into consideration what extraneous circumstances they might be in for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not getting the result I want. What might they be struggling with, right? As I do that, I don't go straight up into ruinous empathy. I will naturally kind of shift in a diagonal towards radical candor. As I go up, I go right. Um, but that's also because my my area um, of kind of default, my 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 place outside of radical candor isn't ruinous empathy. It's obnoxious aggression, I think. And so I tend to challenge more directly. And as I care personally, I naturally then challenge with empathy. Um, so for me, for me personally, I found that that's an interesting thing. It's not just it's not so quite cut and dried as, as the four. And obviously it's an axis. It's, it's meant to be, uh, you know, a scale on, on both. So, um, non, non-digital. Yeah. Non-digital. But I thought that was just an interesting insight for myself of, uh, as I care personally, they're, they're very tightly correlated uh, as one goes up. So does the other. Cool. That's an interesting insight for well, me. One- it's, it's the ruinous empathy due to, uh, historical, conflict avoidant family issue things essentially yeah um, and i need to just get over it basically like just move on and like and i and I, i've done a lot of work to that end over the past you know years in some ways uh slower pace than i would like but i think i'm getting better definitely closer to that mid- midline than than before and again she talks about in the book you don't a human being does not exist in one of these quadrants uh, 100% of the time. Like 
the amount of energy you have, circumstances, whatever makes you shift around the boxes. Um, it's just, you know, where do you default in a, a normal healthy state? Um, and what can you do to, to move yourself up to the right? Basically. Yeah. Question for you. When you, when you increase in, in the horizontal axis, when you are more willing to challenge people directly, do you feel like you naturally then move in just directly across into radical candor or as you move from, as you move along the axis and care, uh, remain to care personally, if you challenge directly, does your care personally kind of number decrease? Is it kind of a, a mechanism where if I'm going to challenge directly, I kind of have to care less? Is kind of a, a trade-off? Or can you just move directly over into the radical candor quadrant? I think the fear is that I'm moving down. I think the fear is that I'm moving down and to the right when I move to the right. Um, that if if I am challenging people directly, they will see it as obnoxious aggression. Um, even though at a logical level, I know that the fact that I care personally comes across. I, I mean, I have been given feedback that that kind of thing comes across and people enjoy working with me because of that aspect of my personality. And so, but my fear is that if I stop ruinously empathizing, that it will be seen as obnoxious aggression. I don't mm -hmm. actually know. Probably my hope obviously is that I'm just moving left to right towards radical candor and not down. Um, cause inside I obviously still care personally. Uh, and then the hope would be the expectation would be that I'm not displaying different behaviors that reduce other people's perception of my care personally by challenging directly. Yeah. And I think it comes from a series of interactions with a person. Like if, if you join a brand new team as the leader or a team member or whatever, and instantly go straight to challenge directly without showing any of the behaviors around care personally, it will be perceived as obnoxious aggression. I think the care, yeah, the care personally access is something that you have to display externally and other people have to perceive for it to be challenged directly is something you can just do. And I think other people's perception impacts the care personally a lot. Yes. And that's one of the things that, that, uh, Kim mentions, uh, as kind of a, uh, warning when people attempt radical candor, uh, especially if, if both parties are not aware that radical candor is being attempted in a very kind of intentional way, uh, it will often come off as challenged directly. If it is, or sorry, it'll come off as obnoxious aggression. I mean, by challenging directly, uh, in kind of a very overt way that people aren't used to. Um, and so having that groundwork of believing that people really care, the person, whoever's challenging you really cares about you personally. And that's very evident beforehand. Uh, is a prerequisite to, to making radical candor work. Totally, totally agree. Um, so for anybody who's super interested in this book, uh, there is a really good article on first round capital, um, radical candor, the surprising secret to being a good boss, super popular article. Uh, I'll drop a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely worth your time to read. It's definitely uh, made me think about things a little bit differently, approach things a little bit better. 
Um, so I would give it the uh, stop driving a lead seal of approval. Sir? <laughs> I was making him laugh at this point. <laughs> Uh, I tr- I tried to keep it in. I tried to keep it in. The stop driving and lead seal of approval. Uh, I got nothing. I mean, it's it's, it's the it's 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 the hypocrisy of of commenting about trademarky obnoxious aggression and then making a seal of approval for our podcast. That just you know, it's it's a nice way to wrap up. So uh, I'll, I'll 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 double that seal. Why not? We should make a rubber stamp. Uh, I'm I'm all on board with that. Seriously. Um, I think the book could possibly have a couple improvements. It is not the best book I've ever read, uh, but it certainly has um, a ton of great content. It's written well. It's easy to listen to or read, whichever you prefer, um, and was was useful to have a discussion around. I think it naturally sparks it a conversation with anybody you talk about it with. With I think it's a sign of a great book. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. All right, man. Great talking to you today, and we will see you next time. Sounds good.